199 Proof is a show where we take spirits and place them in head-to-head competitions against each other, evaluating them neat and in the drinks they frequently make. We pledge that we will try at least 199 versions of each mixed drink we choose in a rigorous, bracketed-style tournament of data-driven drinking. Just not all at once. Welcome to another episode of 199 Proof Data-Driven Drinking, where we take science and data and apply them to that very important question, how do we get from the quarterfinals to the grand champion? Well, first off, welcome to the quarterfinals. We've started off with over 60 gins, and we're down to eight. It's been a delicious journey. Now, a couple of things are staying the same, but a couple of things are changing. For example, while we're going to keep gin and tonic as one of the comparison points, we're going to change how we do it. Right. We're going to contact the distilleries and we're going to ask them what recipe, what ratios, what garnishes showcases their gin the best in a gin and tonic. That's not to say that what we've done in the past, which was the same tonic, the same ratios, the same garnishes, was a bad idea, but we've done it. It's time to take it to the next level. Right. All of these gins have gone through the same criteria. Two to one, Fever Tree Premium Indian Tonic Water to one part gin. And then in the last round, we added garnishes. We added lime, we added grapefruit, we added rosemary, and we added grapefruit and sage. Now, we're not only going to contact the distilleries and make the one that best showcases that, we're gonna add new drinks. Right, there are two other cocktails that are also most popular among gin drinkers. One of them is the Negroni. Which has a lot of Campari and vermouth in it, both very strong components. A Negroni is a very simple drink to make. It's a one-to-one-to-one ratio. Gin, sweet vermouth, Campari, stirred, strained, garnished with an orange. Now, because the Campari and the vermouth are so strong, the gin is really going to have its work cut out for it in punching through. Not only does it have to punch through, though, it has to make a cohesive drink. So it has to be strong, but it has to be adaptable. That should be quite the challenge. And a very different challenge than the other drink that we're going to add between now and the grand champion. Martini. Now, martinis are kind of the opposite. Right. We've taken a bit of an informal poll and talked to a number of people who've given us ratios all over the place from one to one gin to vermouth to 3.7 to one to five to one to six to one to 24 to one. And we've settled on what most upscale cocktail bars will give you, which is a five to one ratio of gin to dry vermouth. Now, you talk to your friend Chris, who's been behind the bar for a quarter century about this. What did he have to say? He owns a bar in New York's Lower East Side. He's a gin drinker. He's spent a ton of time behind the bar in a lot of bars, and he's got quite a bit to say on all things drinks and mixology and bartending. Let's take a listen. All right, we're here at the Parkside Lounge. Tell me a little bit about this. Supposedly, it's been a bar since 19... 08 and never closed has always been a bar has never been anything but a bar uh pretty much the second i walked into it was my favorite bar in the city and that was in 1999. you started bartending here in i started bartending here in 2002. yeah i just loved the bar and i always kind of had my eye on it this is really the only place i had thought about owning so i don't know what the opposite of homesick is but i felt that when i walked in the bar you know and you felt home right right 
that's, that's the opposite of homesick. Yeah, yeah. Home. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so yeah, in 2009, I, I took over as the operating partner here, and, and um, here we are. Yeah. yeah, here we are. Yeah. You've spent a lot of time behind the bar. Oh, yes. You spent a lot of time in front of the bar. Yes. I would imagine drinking is a professional obligation. Certainly is. An enjoyable <laughs> professional obligation? Most of the time. What do you gravitate towards? <laughs> Gin is the spirit that I consume the most of right now. Um, I love it. It's got soul. Um, it, and I don't know if this is just me getting older, but like the darker spirits, I still love them very much, but I feel like my body doesn't love them so much. So I've been <laughs> drinking clear stuff. And uh, I hear that. Whereas vodka to me, it definitely has a time and a place and a purpose especially in, in mixology, but gin feels like it has a soul where vodka just feels totally soulless to me. Like when I'm drinking a gin drink, I, I, I feel, I don't know, it's weird to say there's history, but there's history in that spirit. I feel the same way. It's also like a big boy spirit. You can mix it. Usually it stands out. Um, you know, the juniper, I, I love juniper. I love, you know, some people say that it tastes like pine needles and they hate it. I love it. I do, I do too. We're kind of separating the wheat from the chef. And mm. now we have eight really, really good <laughs> gins. And we need some sort of separation. Mm. So we're introducing two more cocktails. This round we're going to do a Negroni and we're going to do a Martini. Negroni because it's a third gin, a third Campari, and a third Vermouth. Mm -hmm. Sweet Vermouth. And those are two strong ingredients, so you need a gin to stand up to that, truth. not just wither away. No, truth, yep. And the martini, because there's nothing to hide behind. Yes. And I know you drink both. Yes, big fan of both. A Negroni really, to me, is almost medicinal. I mean, the flavor and also what it does, what it feels like it does in my stomach. It's like warm and fuzzy because it's, it's a digestive drink. Yeah. And it, it's really good for your stomach. <laughs> <laughs> it's really good for your soul. It's really good for your soul. Absolutely, <laughs> you'll feel better. I mean, there's it's it's a really stiff drink, and it's also beautiful, uh, which is which is nice when you're working behind the bar. But you know, those ingredients together really make something that your stomach enjoys digesting. You know, I agree. Yeah, yeah. wholeheartedly. <laughs> and a martini. Well, like you said, I mean, I don't like olives at all. So my martinis are are with a twist. It, it doesn't mask any of the gin, right? It, it pops it a little bit. They, they get along. And I think, depending on which gin you're drinking, you know, but the martini really is like the crowning taste achievement of gin. There's nothing to hide behind. It's just cold spirits. And it's like everything that those distillers put into it, you're going to taste. So if it's a bad gin, you're going to taste a bad gin. You're in trouble. Yep. Let's take let's take it back to the Negroni for a second. Okay. Walk me through the steps of making a Negroni. Okay. Well, it, it's equal parts, sweet vermouth, Campari, and gin. So it's a third of each. Back in the day, you would shake it. I would hope that if you're shaking that, uh, you're, you're straining it over ice if it's being served on the rocks. Um, like I said, I started bartending in the 90s, so everything was shaken back then before people were worried about bruising their gin. I don't know if that's leftover from James Bond. I would say I think people just really like their drinks cold. Um, but so shaken or stirred, whatever you do, uh, however you prefer it, and then, uh, oh, I would garnish it with an orange. Now, aside from chilling mm -hmm. when you either shake or stir it, it also dilutes it a little it bit. It definitely does. There's ice in there to help balance in the glass when you order a cocktail at a bar. 
that ice is important to the taste of your drink. Um, and if too, you put too little ice in that glass, it's gone and you're gonna have a really watery, ugly, dead cocktail right away. The dilution actually helps open the, open the drink up a little bit. Yes. Rather than water it down. Right. Watering down, dilution, whatever you wanna call it, it's intentional. Yes. And necessary. It, it is necessary. When you're making a Negroni. Yes. A third, a third, a third. How much ice, shake or stir? I like to mix in a clear pint glass. I'll fill it three quarters up with ice. Um, and this is for a lot of you folks out there. This is how bartenders like can measure with their eyeballs. And when you pour up to the break of that ice, that's exactly a three ounce martini glass when you strain it every single time. Lovely. And customers look at you like, whoa, and like that's just, it's just a bartender's trick. Trick of the trade. So, um, you know, I, I would say that if I'm in a, in a speedy environment, I'll grab all three of those bottles, I'll have two in my right hand, and I'll, it's an even pour of each, and just cut it off right there. We're gonna codify this. Do equal parts gin, Campari, vermouth. And if I know anything about Dan, we're going to codify exactly how many ice cubes we put in each container and stir it in there for a consistent period of time mm. across everyone. Okay. Strain, garnish. So you're gonna serve them up. I mean, are you drinking it up? No ice in the... In the... No ice in there because we wanna keep the dilution consistent. Right. Across all drinks and across time. Awesome. And people out there who are ordering drinks, I'm sure most people listening to this podcast know this, but when you order a drink up, it literally means chilled no ice. So if you order Jack Daniels straight up and you're expecting him just to put it in a glass and the bartender shakes it, it's on you. It's not on the bartender. That's a pro tip right there. Just, just yes. <laughs> Get that like every night here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, now let's shift to martinis. Okay. Martini is gin, it's vermouth. Mm -hmm. That's it. That's it. Unless you like it dirty at which point you'll have a little olive juice in there. Right, and we're not doing that. Okay. Because that just adds another variable. It's actually something that we've talked about and it's something to hide behind. And it, we're not looking for that. That's 100% correct. Right. 100% correct. We're not looking for that. I've heard people use a two to one ratio of gin to vermouth, which is astonishing to me. That's crazy. Uh, all the way down to, uh, there's a, a quote, I think attributed to Noel Coward, of a proper martini should be gin, and you should wave the glass in the general direction of Italy. I'm closer to Noel Coward. Um, I like my martinis, and I make them dry. I, I like them dry. I think the only way to really fuck up a martini is to put too much vermouth in there. So the only way to avoid that, if you're going to a bar you don't know, order it dry. Um, and hopefully, dry to them means what it should mean, which is I mean, I'm talking an eighth of an ounce of vermouth, or I, I call it a spit, right? Which is when you, it's like a stop, a single stop pour. Stop pours are when you're, when you're bartending and you're, you're pouring a bunch of shots at the same time. If you have the bottles upside down and you drop them like a half an inch, it'll actually stop pouring and you can move over to the next, and it'll, it'll to the next glass and the pour flow continues. That's what a stop pour is. So I essentially do that a single time for my martinis and I call it a spit. Um, I like a spit of vermouth. And that's at the most. So when I'm out in public, I, I'll tell them, like, don't eat, like, exactly, I'll wave, the, wave the cap of the vermouth 
over my glass, you know, that kind of thing. Right. What would you think or what would you suggest a strong boozy martini would be if you had to give a ratio of gin to vermouth? I need to do some math here. Personally, I do about a five or six to one. Yeah, I mean, uh, like, I'm sitting here going, is that math right? An eighth of an ounce to three ounces? Is that one twenty-fourth? Eight, yeah, 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 wow, is that, wow, you do 24 to one. I think, and I, yeah, and I actually, I think that's right. I mean, I think that makes the best martini. It needs to be cold. Yeah. Um, but there is no reason for you to be tasting that vermouth over the gin. Also, in my experience, most of the bartenders that I worked with, right, similar. I mean, we're, what I'm saying isn't like different than how they made martinis. I mean, they laughed at me calling it a spit, but they did the same thing. I mean, a lot of bartenders will wick the glass. Right. Right. So that might be less than an eighth. And right. wicking the glasses. Uh, you you put uh, you put the the vermouth in the glass and you just kind of spin it around inside to coat the entire coat inside. Coat the inside. And then you dump and, it. And dump right. Right. But if you're gonna do that, you need to make sure you've chilled the glass first. I mean, you need to make sure you chill right. the glass first, people. Anyway. Anyway. But you wick it after you dump the ice that you're chilling with. Chill the glass. Dump the ice. Wick it. Dump it. Cold gin. Cold diluted gin. <laughs> yes. Uh, Garnish that sucker with a lemon twist. Yeah. And have three of them. One thing I liked about what Chris had to say is that the way to end up with a bad martini is to over-vermouth it. You may have cleaned that up a bit, but I agree. Now, one thing he talked about is dilution. And dilution definitely plays a key in this, and we're gonna codify that. We're gonna use the same amount of ice, we're gonna stir for the same amount of time, we're gonna strain, we're gonna garnish the same. In other words, although we're changing up some things, we are definitely not changing the scientific controls. No, absolutely not. And that's the only way to truly put these gins head to head against each other in cocktails. That should be a great contest. And there are eight fantastic gins waiting in the wings to see which one comes out on top. The first matchup is Edinburgh Gin against Plymouth Gin. Now, Edinburgh was your Genesis story, the thing that turned you on to gin. Sure was. And Plymouth has been around since the beginning. They were the original purveyors of gin to the British Royal Navy. That should be a fantastic matchup. It really is. It's the old school, the old line against the new wave. Meanwhile, in the second half of that bracket, we have Malfi, which actually claims to be from the region in the Malfi coast of Italy that invented gin. Right, against the botanist, which is also a Scottish relative newcomer, but made with locally foraged botanicals in the Scottish islands, and it's delicious. These two should both be barn burners. Absolutely. On the other side of the bracket, we have Junipero, made in San Francisco at a relatively high proof against a small distillery out of Western Massachusetts. It's amazing that Greylock, this little tiny distillery in the Berkshire Mountains of Western Massachusetts ended up in the quarterfinals, but it did. Oh, they've earned every ounce of their way here. 
And boy, do they have their work cut out for them against Junipero. And our last matchup is also real interesting. It's Brooklyn Gin made right here in our figurative backyard against Ford's, which has been distilled to be a bit of a jack of all trades. Yeah, didn't you say that Sir Charles Maxwell designed it to be the kind of thing that works in pretty much any gin cocktail? In collaboration with Simon Ford, yeah. It's designed to be a bottle in the rack that a bartender can grab no matter what the gin cocktail is and be happy with the result. In other words, it was kind of designed exactly for the situation that we're going to put it in in this tournament. Yeah, and so far it's proven its worth. That should be quite the matchup. Brooklyn is a fantastic gin, and Ford's was basically built for this moment. Yet none of these competitions have any obvious winners. Nothing looks to be like a walkover. This is gonna be a really challenging round to judge and evaluate. And a delicious one. I am really looking forward not only to this round, but to the rounds that follow where we get to take these fantastic gins and put them through their paces in so many different ways to find the winner. Also, we're gonna have some phenomenal cocktails. I can't wait. Me neither. Join us. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Please check out our website for more information, 199proof.com. Follow us on Instagram, 199proof data-driven drinking, all one word. Follow us on Twitter, at 199 underscore proof. And find us on Facebook. Send us what you're drinking, and let us know what gins you'd like to see featured on future episodes. Cheers. Cheers.